Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Would you open up your Bibles, please, to the uh, second book of Timothy? So Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 13 through 17. And man, isn't God good? Man, I, I said, isn't God good? And uh, isn't his presence sweet? His presence is sweet. His presence is healing. Um, and as we turn now our attention to, to his word, I, I know I just had you sit down, but we're doing spiritual aerobics. So I'm asking having you stand to your feet now in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord. Hey, that's how I keep you awake. Come on. 2 Timothy 3, 13, we stand in honor of God's word. And it says this, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, say with me, but as for me, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation in Christ Jesus. Here's our key scripture for the, for the morning. All scripture, say with me, all scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. Say the scripture is profitable to me. Say, I profit from the scripture. That's good right there. That's good stuff. Profitable for what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction. Some of y'all don't like it. We'll get to it. Don't worry. For training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, God. Uh, open up our hearts. Open up our ears. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, thank you, Christian. Uh, once again, welcome to Legacy Church. If you've been tracking with us, you know that last week we began our series that we've called Focus. And it's a series on our vision, on our mission, where we're going. And you know that last week we, we launched that. And kind of one of the key words around here is launch, right? It just feels like we're being launched into what God is doing. And so that's launch us, the, the vision and the mission of this house has now launched us into a series that we've called Focus. And so uh, one quick thing that I do want to just point out for you guys is over the next few weeks, we're going to be breaking out this whole series. And quite frankly, for once in my life, I actually don't know how long we're going to go on this uh, series, okay? But what I do know is we're going to take a little bit of a break leading up to Easter as we um, prepare our hearts and, and actually even go through a guided study uh, for Lent leading up to Easter, which quick parenthesis on your way out today by the merch booth. You can uh, swing by and grab a book. There's a, a, a men's version and a, and a women's version of the book that we're going to be reading together uh, during the season of Lent. Uh, so you can swing by and check that out. More info on that to come. And... Um, so just want to say thank you to all of you guys that were here last weekend. What an amazing weekend and just what God is doing in this house. Uh, how many of you have ever moved houses before? You know, maybe you've moved a, from, from house to house or you've moved from state to state. Maybe some of you, like me, are from out of state. Come on, out of staters. Don't be afraid to say, I'm from out of state. Don't let the haters hate on you. Um, and so... Uh, my wife and I, we're, we're coming up on 15 years of marriage this, this in June. I'm telling you, 
Like, but Tony, you look so young. Yes, we started young, okay? Uh, we started young. Uh, I only recommend it if you're in it for the long haul. And, uh, but anyway, in 15 years of marriage, we have moved 19 times. 19 times we have moved. Um, and, he, and, and here's the deal. The house we're currently in right now is the longest we've lived. Uh, and that's only a year and a half now. And we've lived in, in, in Idaho now for almost five years. And uh, I, I was thinking back as I was preparing for this message, just uh, every time we've moved, we, we have five children. And as they've gotten older, uh, how many of you parents know that as your kids get older, they have more questions about the things that you're doing, right? So rather than just going with the flow, now they want to know, why are we moving? Why are things changing? And, and what if, and now like some anxiety can creep up. Like what, what happens if I don't make friends, right? And I remember when we were moving to Idaho, our kids were no longer at an age where they were just kind of go with the flow. There was a lot of questions because how many of you know that with changes come a little bit of insecurity and maybe some anxiety can creep up. And so they began to ask all these questions, you know, so wh why are we moving there? And what's, what, and, and then, you know, what? What if I can't make friends? And what about the friends that I'm letting go of are, are, are never going to talk to me again? And, and we were moving out of a city that, quite frankly, had treated us pretty badly. The neighborhood we were in, we had neighbors that were just terrible and treated us terrible. What, what happens if the neighborhood we move into are going to treat us that way? And how, how many of you know that as you grow older, you, the more questions you have, and with the more change that comes, the more you actually need to know what's not going to change? And I know last week we communicated a lot of the exciting things that are to come, the new things, the, the things that are changing and the things that God is leading us to. Today, as we begin to break out our five values, I want to talk to you about one of the things that will never change. One of the things that no matter what form and what function our church takes, that no matter what strategies we take on, what, what vision and, and mission we've got, there's certain things that are just never going to change. And today I want to talk to you about the sermon title that I've labeled, uh, We Are Called to Be Faithful to the Word. Because if there's anything that no matter what happens, we will not be unfaithful to the word of God. Thank you for that. Amen, Sophia, and only Sophia. <laughs> you know, some things are supposed to change. Some change is good. Some change is difficult. But there are certain things in life, in the life of a believer and follower of Christ, that should never change. And in a world that says, you speak your truth, and you, in a sense, can choose your fluidity of truth, you and I, if we're true followers of Christ, have got to have something that has withstood the test of time, and it's something that anchors us and brings us back to what the ultimate truth is. And I'm here to tell you today, the ultimate truth is the Word of God that will never change. So I want to talk to you about not just why we're called to be faithful, but what happens when we're faithful to the Word of God. So number one, I want to tell you the beautiful thing about the word of God is that it is an invitation to the heart of God. Second Timothy 13, 16 through, uh, uh, yeah, 13 through 16 says it this way, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, as for you, continue on what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing whom you learned it from. Let's skip over to the first part of the 16th verse. It says, all scripture is, check this out, breathed out by God. Yeah. 
breathed out by God. What does that mean? It means God has inspired over 40-some authors to come together in agreement to be able to communicate his heart to humanity. Breathed out by God means you and I have a book where more than historical facts, more than just an addition to our library, it is an invitation into the very heart of our creator. It is an invitation to a look into who he is, why you exist, and the great love that he has for you. In fact, you look at the Old Testament and all the Old Testament can do is point to the need of a savior. The New Testament tells of that savior and the effects of that savior on earth. But ultimately, as we look at the 66 collection of books, we receive an invitation into the heart of God. Let me tell you, the Bible and the word of God is not just an invitation to another cool book. And it's not an invitation into a self-help book. And let me just offend a couple of you. The book ain't about you. And many of us want to look at the word of God as a self-help book as to how it's going to make me better. And how it's going to make my life better. And absolutely, there's a side effect to walking with Jesus of having an abundant life and and understanding that there's a great hope even in the midst of tragedy and pain and, and suffering. But ultimately, the word of God is an invitation into his heart. And quite frankly, if you're anything like me, a lot of times you can miss this because you're a little bit driven you're a little bit task-oriented. Anybody out there kind of like me where like you're, you're driven? And like, for example, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, like last week was an amazing week, right? But like the, the moment I got off stage, second service, I'm already on to the next thing, right? Like I don't pause to like celebrate what, what's happening. I struggle with that because I'm like, what's the next thing, right? And, and if I'm not careful, I discipline my life that way, and I discipline my children that way, and my wife has to fall in line that way, and my entire body needs to be that way, and I am rigid, and it has to happen like this, right? Because I am driven. And so then I approach the word of God like, this is a must. Uh, in fact, let me, let me tell you a quick story that I told second or first service that I think God did it on purpose. But um, if you know me, you know I like my routines, and if those routines are broken, I, I'm a little peculiar about stuff, okay? So like, I've got my things, okay? Like, don't judge me. Like, I got my things that I, they just have to happen. And not only do they have to happen, they have to happen in a certain order. And if they don't happen in that certain order, whoo boy, I am out of, out of, I'm out of sorts. I'm out of whack. And so th- this morning, God thought it would be hilarious for me to sleep through my alarm, for the first time in, a, I do, guys, I don't remember, because I am, remember, I am disciplined, right? I am rigid. I, I've got my rhythms. And so God reminded me I'm a human today by sleeping through my alarm. And then worst part of it all, I've got a secondary alarm. Her name is Sophia. Um, and, and, and she's usually up before any of y'all could ever imagine you, anybody could be up, right? But today she wasn't on worship. So she took advantage of sleeping in on the one day that my alarm doesn't wake me up. So I'm telling you guys, I woke up all out of sorts and I am, I'm, I'm frazzled. I'm like, cause here, here's the deal. Like there's a certain order in which life must be lived. 
if you are Tony Nunez, okay? You wake up, you have exactly 10 minutes to sit and drink your tea. Yes, I switched from coffee to tea. It's been great for the gut health. Anyway, um, and, and there's a certain order. Like, for example, I can't put on lotion. Some of you guys put lotion on before you brush your teeth. Like, you're savages, okay? There's an order. You brush your teeth. Some of you are like, Lotion, yes, there is a skin regiment for Tony Nuguez, okay? Some of you can use some of that, right? Chapstick gets put on on my way out the door. And on my way out the door, I then grab a comb and comb my mustache. I didn't get to comb my mustache this morning. And I get into the car, and, and about five minutes into the drive, the heated seat goes from high to low so that I can kind of eventually, like, you know, get warmer, right? Like, as opposed to just heat up. And then 10 minutes, you guys are looking at me like I'm crazy. This is really my routine. 10 minutes into the car drive, it goes from 90 degrees in the car to 65 degrees in the car. And at 15 minutes, which is just right around the corner from the church, I drop it all the way down to 60 because you already know I run hot, right? All of those things must happen in Tony's world. What does this have to do with the word of God? If you and I are not careful, we look at the word of God as another thing that must happen. It's a must. It's a duty. I got to get in it. And, 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 and here's where I have to even get soft and apologize to some of you that call Legacy Church your home. You've heard me get harsh about the word of God and say, well, get up earlier. And I'm sorry, because the word of God is more than just a duty that I've got to perform. And it's more than just the rigidity that I've got to check off my list. The word of God is an invitation into your creator's heart. The word of God invites you into a journey with God. What's beautiful is that if you don't miss this, you know that quite frankly, it's not just an invitation to, to his heart and insight into who he is, but it's an invitation for you to journey through life with him. And I don't know about you, but last time I checked God, when he walks me through things, when he journeys with me, he does so with grace. He does so patiently. He does so with great mercy. He pours out his love. He covers me when I mess up. So God is inviting you into his heart and into a journey that eventually brings you to real life. And the beautiful thing is that you can trust that he is strong, that he is patient, that he is gentle. I mean, his invitation is come to me. Why? For I am gentle and lowly. You and I are invited into this journey with a gentle and lowly God. Did you know that you and I need this journey? I don't know if you knew this, but your heart is wayward. You know, there's sayings out in culture like, follow your heart. <clears throat> Garbage, again. Why? Because my Bible says that my heart is the most deceitful of them all. And, and my heart is prone, and I talked about this last week, but I want to hone in on it. I'm prone to wander. Right? There's something, there's, a, there's, an, there's an inertia, there's, there's just a gravitational pull towards sin, towards what's comfortable, towards what, what's going to keep me safe. And the word of God is what realigns me back into his heart. And, you know, we, we sing these songs, these old hymns, right? Like, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. If you are alive, you feel that tug. If you're breathing in this room, you feel the tug of your heart wanting to get 
hard, wanting to get sour, your heart trying to guide you in a direction that you shouldn't. And the word of God is beautiful because it invites you to realign your heart to the heart of God. It is breathed out by God. Why? Because he wants to reveal his heart and his motive to us. He wants to reveal to you that you and I were designed and invited into the life that he has for us. And I do got to say this, the word of God is not just one of many revelations of who he is. It is the revelation of who God is. Now, don't get me wrong, especially like for me this year, especially, I've made it a goal to read more books, to become more educated, to to open up my mind, more understanding, and and books are great. There's great Christian authors out there, and there's great literature out there, and there's great information. But beyond that, I'm here to tell you today that there is no better source than the very breathed, inspired word of God to know who God actually is. Why? Because the word of God is a gift that keeps on giving. Hebrews 4, 12 says this. Check this out. The word of God is living and active. So it's not just a thing that was given to a group of people over the course of time and history. It's not just this this historical fictional book or nonfiction book, depending on how you approach it. It's not just this theological, rich, filled with knowledge and understanding. No, it is something that is alive and it is active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In other words, you can run, but you can hide, but you can't escape. Was that an Enrique Iglesias song? I don't know. It's a gift that keeps on giving. Have you ever, I'm talking to some people that have been walking with Jesus for a while. Have you been walking with the Lord for a while? And maybe you, you know some scripture, right? At this point, you've got some scripture under your belt. You, you kind of know. And all of a sudden, you open up the, the word and you go to read something you've already read before and boom, it pops out at you. And it hits you between the eyes like, like, like you've never seen before. A dead book doesn't do that. A book just filled with information doesn't do that. Because information, once you've got it, you've got it. It's not something that provides what you need for every season of life. The word of God is the barometer that keeps these ongoing revelations and prompting of who God is on track. It's alive and it's active. Meaning, it's not just, hear me church, just for one period of time. Not just for you in one season, but it, it, because the spirit of God is involved in his word and in the inspiration of the word, because it is God's way of reflecting his heart to you, he knows where you're at, therefore he knows what you need for this time. And so it's alive, it's, it's active. You know, one of the things that I want to make sure that uh, you all understand here today is this, especially being a, uh, an, an intergenerational church. Um, older, older folks, those of you, let me speak to those of you that are older that have been walking with God for a while and really don't hear this as, a, as an assumption or as a judgment call, hear it as a warning. The older you get and the more you've been with Jesus, that does not equate to the less I need him because I know more. 
You see, I encounter a lot of believers at times, and it seems as though the older I get, the more the attitude grows of, well, I've already, I've got, I'm filled with information. Uh, you have no idea how long I've been walking with the Lord. Therefore, my attitude is I need him less. And maybe it's because I'm 34 going on 35 and I'm kind of in that sweet spot. But the older I get, the more I realize I need Jesus. And the more I relate with him, the more I become more dependent on him. And the more I need more revelation for today, God. The more I need for right now, uh, our, our, our previous lead pastor used to say this to me all the time. Tony, you've never been this old. He would say that to me almost every day. <laughs> You're a day older than you were yesterday, right? You've never, you have never been this old. You've never parented the children that you have uh, the way that you have until today, right? Like there's just, there's just a newness that comes in with every day. And if we take on the attitude that well, been there, done that, I've already got my information and data fill, then we are selling God short in the fact that his word is alive and it's active and it's got what you need for today. For this season of life. And God forbid, hear me church, God forbid that we build a church filled with people that equate maturity with a lesser need of God. God forbid that you under, walk out of here today and walk out of here Sunday after Sunday believing that the closer you are to God, the less you need him. The more you know about God, the, less you, the more you know of his word, the less, no, 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 church, it's the opposite. Let us become a church of people that are so desperate for who he is that the more I draw near, the more I can't get enough. This is exactly why, by the way, his word has to be coupled with his spirit. And that's gonna come up in my last point. But I wanna say it to you this way. The word of God can never get old. It has the ability to anchor us and bring us back so that we aren't swayed to and fro from, for every thought and kind of theology that gets thrown out there. And Lord knows we're living in those times. Did you know that the early church in the book of Acts chapter two, as a result of an experience with the spirit of God. So the first, the beginning of chapter two talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it's crazy because we, a lot of times kind of blow past that because we jump right to Acts 2.42, which is exactly what I'm doing today. But I don't want you to miss this, that as a result of the outpouring of the spirit of God, things changed in their lives. It wasn't just an experience, but something began to grow deep roots in their lives after they experienced the spirit of God. And that's this, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, which by the way, the Bible hadn't been canonized back then yet. So the apostles teaching was, we hand this down, we hand these scriptures down by word, we ascribe them and we talk about them. So we're talking about the word of God, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayers. As a result of the spirit of God, they were faithful to the word of God. Why do we need to be faithful to the word of God? Because I don't know about you, but my Bible says, and I believe it's in the book of Proverbs chapter 14, that there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. Have you ever been like Tony Nunez and think, this is the right way? <laughs> Only to find yourself in a hole that you can't crawl yourself out of. 
right? Have you ever made those decisions, whether big or small? And it seems right. Why? Hear me, church. Because your ticker is following you, is guiding you, and you're listening to it, and you're going with your gut, and you're going with your life experience. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying throw all that away. I'm saying, if that is not anchored in the truth of God, you and I, there are things that seem right, but God forbid they lead to death. Which leads me to my third point, third and final point here this morning, and that is this, that the word of God is equipping and bringing us into maturity. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, all scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, Here it is, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I gotta say this. The word of God is not manipulative. It's inspiring. And I gotta hone in on this and I, 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 I would be remiss if I didn't say this. Some of you today have been manipulated by the word of God And I wanna say, I'm sorry that that's taken place in your life. God's word was never meant to manipulate you or coerce you or talk you into something that someone else that talks better will talk you right out of. It's to inspire and convict and mold things into you that withstand the test of time and who's talking to you and who's swaying you. And so the word of God is not to be manipulated. Now, now that I've gotten that apology out of the way, let me talk to some of you that need to be corrected by the word of God. The word of God is not to be used so that you can win arguments. Come on, husbands. You know the trump card you use. Or is it just me? Right? We, we're uber spiritual, so we, when we're losing an argument, we weaponize the word of God to win the argument, right? If you're anything like me, your go-to is, well, you've got to submit to me. I just use the word people hate in church, submission. We're going to talk about that. Don't worry. Well, husbands, let me just let you in on a little secret. If she is to submit to you, which she is, you are to submit to the Lord first. And if you aren't submitted to the Lord in all areas of your life, not just the areas that you're willing to hand over to him, but I'm talking about the deep, dark stuff that you hide from everyone else, husbands. I'm talking to the men. I'm talking to you. I'll let Sophia talk to the ladies because I want you old ladies to still love me. I still got to have my charm. Okay. The dudes, we can duke this out later if you want to. But I promise not to weaponize the Bible when we duke it out. See what I did? <laughs> and the word of God is very clear to us husbands that, that we run a risk when we're not fully submitted to the Lord. And, and, and we've, got, we've got one thing that we're instructed to do, gentlemen, when it comes to our spouses is to love them the same way Christ loved his bride, which is the church, to a point where he literally gave up his preferences, his comfy seat up in the throne room, and gave up his life for her. So we don't weaponize the word. Now, ladies, again, I'll let Sophia speak to you guys, right? But we don't weaponize the word of God. 
We don't use it to win over arguments, to coerce people, to manipulate them. No, no, the word of God is there to inspire because it is God-inspired. And, and Seth talked about this a little bit in the first service too when he did his um, kind of interjection in worship. And he talked about how we're living in, a, in an information age, right? And, and when we talked about limiting God at times, we want to explain it away. So many times we approach the word of God as if it's this information hub only. And like, it's kind of like Google, like I'm going through this. So like, what do I do about this? Which by the way, great. It's a great manual for, for your life, all that stuff. But beyond just the understanding, you and I have got to add the spirit of God into it because that's where the supernatural begins to take place. And don't sell your understanding of the word of God short because it actually is a supernatural thing to even begin to understand. And to separate the spirit of God from his word is literally to sell God short. To separate the spirit of God from his triune characteristics, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit that guides, directs, opens up the, our eyes, that, that, that gives us the direction and g- brings us the conviction. That's what the spirit of God does. To separate that is to throw away who God is. And it's to sell his word short. Graham Cole, one of today's greatest theologians, and he, he was the dean of the Australian College of Theology says it this way, once supernaturalism is allowed to slip, in other words, this idea that the spirit of God is at play, that there's a supernatural thing at play, Christianity becomes yet another example of the human search for transcendence rather than a response to the divine search for us. He desires to be discovered by you. Spirit of God is after you. He is after the work that he wants to do in and through you. So it's not just a blind scholarly research. got to say that again. This is not just blind scholarly research. Now, of course, we've got to be the believers that know why we believe what we believe. Yes. Totally. Uh, the last thing I want is anyone walking out of here today going, well, I was told to believe that, so therefore I guess I will. Now, it's also not just a blind following. There's got to be, but I'm telling you, when we approach the word of God as only a tool to gain information, again, we are selling this short because it is not just blind scholarly research. It is alive, it's active, and it's supposed to be doing something in my life. What are the things that the word of God does according to the scripture we just read? I'm uh, going to land the plane here pretty soon, okay? It's good for teaching. It's beneficial for teaching. Why do you and I need to be taught? Um, Because I don't know if you know this, but truth inherently is not just naturally inside of you. I'm going to break down some theological garbage that's been out there in our world that says all humans are inherently good. If we were inherently good, why would we need a savior? If we're inherently good, then do we not believe in what took place after Adam and Eve fell? And from that, we were created with the Adamic nature. Therefore, we need reconciliation back to the father. So as a result of your sinful nature and the fact that truth is not inherently in you, you and I have got to be taught the truth. If you don't believe me that we're all born with a sinful nature, just put two two two-year-olds into a room together, okay? Walk out.
out of the room, leave a really nice toy in the one side of the room, and then leave a box, an empty cardboard box on the other side. Come back four minutes later and tell me what are they fighting over? The box! And what are the words that they're saying? Mine! Did you teach them? No! This is in us! And I know that that's a cute illustration, and please don't hear this in a harsh way, but again, hear it as a warning to you, because my heart for you as a pastor is that you would grow into the full stature of Christ. Is that that is a cute story when you're two, but it ain't cute when you're an adult. And some of us live our lives that way, because we haven't allowed the word of God to teach us, because I don't need to be taught. Okay. Let me tell you, in a world that says truth is fluid, you can find your truth, speak your truth. I'm telling you, I know what I'm saying ain't popular today. Truth is fixed and it's outside of you. It's not pliable and movable and in you. It's just not, which is why it's got to get in you. So yes, look inwards. Look inward, I mean. Look inward. Allow the truth of God to go, uh, God, search me and know me. I gotta look inside of me, and if I'm gonna be teachable and I'm gonna be moldable, I gotta be willing to look inward. Yes, there are broken places in all of our lives. Did you know that? Did you know we're all broken people? I don't know if you know that, but I know that very well. Every time I look in the mirror, I realize that. And, and, and there's broken areas in my life that I can't just pray away at times. And let me just say this to you and clarify something to you. This is why for me, and I'm so glad that the stigma keeps falling off more and more as we begin to learn, that there's great benefit to you and I, those of you that maybe have past traumas and past hurts and hangups, for you to get real and raw and honest with a professional is okay. Like to to get, like, and look inward and be like, but, but here's where we miss it at times. Invite the spirit of God into it. Invite the word of God into it. Man, if I could tell you the things, if I went into detail, and it's not a sob story, I hope you don't hear it in that way, but if I went into detail about the traumatic experience I've experienced and the things that, the pain that I've experienced in a short amount of time that we're all kind of crammed into a decade, I'm telling you, I, I, I should have lost my mind. I should have been an angry and stayed angry. I should have been an anxious ball of a wreck that couldn't speak to anybody. And I should have stayed suicidal. But yet, the Spirit of God has this ability to be able to go inward and through His Word and through His work begin to heal areas of our lives that have been untouched for years. This is why we need to be taught. Yes, look inward, but allow the Spirit of God to bring those places into maturity. Bring those places into healing Second thing the word of God does is it reproves and it corrects. I know that some of you guys aren't nerds like me, uh, where, can we actually, guys, can we just hang on to the scripture, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16, please. Um, and, uh, you know, I know not all of you guys are nerdy like me, and you all don't want to hear the Greek and why, what it means and all that stuff, but in the original language, in the original Greek here, this word, these two words of reproof and correction are actually this. Ultimately, they mean this, that God, through his word, is a great player and coach. 
He's the best coach's player, player coach that could exist. Let me explain it to you this way. God doesn't just leave it at correction. Don't do this, period, hard stop. A good player coach says, don't do this, comma, do it like this. You see the difference? The, 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 the word of God is good for reproof and correction. It means you don't just get to hear a bunch of don't do, don't do, don't do. Hard stop, peace out, figure it out on your own. No, it's don't do this, do it like this. Let me walk you through my rhythms of grace. Let me allow you to, to, to go, to journey with me as I model things for you. The word of God reproves and corrects. And I gotta say this, um, you gotta be open to correction. Let me rephrase, we have to be open to correction. I got more amends when I said we, okay. We've gotta be the people that are moldable, pliable jars of clay on the potter's wheel that go, there are areas in my life that need reproof and correction. But here's the beautiful thing about the word of God. It doesn't just leave you with don't do this, period. You've got a God who goes, let me walk you through it. Third thing that the word of God does is that it trains us in righteousness. But here's where I wanna encourage you I know we're almost done, but I wanna encourage you not to check out and I wanna encourage you to really open up your hearts to what I'm about to say. Righteousness and virtue can only be forged out of pain. You and I don't become righteous unless Jesus suffers what he suffers through his death, burial, and resurrection. And that's no different than you and I. Training in righteousness many times means you're gonna be going through the ringer. Mm -hmm. To be trained in righteousness means your, your virtue is forged out of pain and struggling. And there's some of you here today that you are in that season where you are an insurmountable amount of pain, where you are dealing with situations that quite frankly, because I'm your pastor, I know of some of them represented in the room, and I wouldn't wish some of those things on my worst enemy. And you're going, really God? Or maybe you're like me and you've been there before and you're going, really God? <laughs> and, and you gotta hear what I'm about to say. You have not been abandoned. You are being forged. And get that, if you don't walk away with anything today, I hope you walk away with that today. That you are not being, you are being forged and trained for righteousness. And some of us, man, we got to go back to some old school church songs that talk about the refiner's fire. Come on, right? Come on, my vineyard folks. Where, where, and some of you got to hear this, like the, the pain, the struggle, the darkness that you're in, it's, it's meant to forge something in you. It's forging righteousness. And let me promise you, you will come out pure gold. You will come out like gold. You're not abandoned. You have not just been just left to rot by God himself. No, he is forging something in you. Don't miss it. The problem is this. We live in a very idealistic world with a very low threshold of suffering. Okay, I'm going to say it again. We live in a very idealistic world 
with a very low threshold of suffering, which is why we are all okay with screaming at people on Facebook, but the moment the issue we're screaming about hits our doorstep, we don't want anything to do with it. We're all justice warriors as long as it doesn't affect our lives. As long as it doesn't accept our finances and our day-to-day. But God has a different way of training us in righteousness. And though we've got the idealistic world here with a low threshold of pain, I don't know about you, but some of you have been sold a gospel that's been real cheap. And quite frankly, again, I'm going to say the word, it's been garbage. Why? Because it says that you're going to be free of pain. My Bible is filled with stories of people that are in dark places, filled with pain, with, with being backstabbed, crawling out of the old holes that they made. And so the struggle that you're in, the darkness that you're in, please, please don't hear that I'm not empathetic to it because I am. But I want to encourage you today that the question marks you've got, the, the doubts you have, the pain you have, the trauma, the, whatever it is that you are going through, begin to look at it as this is my moment to be forged and to be trained into righteousness. Because if not, we fall into self-pity We fall into numbing. We fall into a hard heart. We fall into being jaded. Or if you're anything like me, let me get brutally honest, you sometimes wanna run. You just wanna say, I'm out. I wanna escape this. But you're being trained into righteousness. And so, When I allow the word of God to train me into righteousness, it means I submit my own inner compulsions. I die to myself. I deny myself. And I keep myself from self-pity. I keep myself from numbing. I keep myself from hard-heartedness. I keep myself from running because the word of God is doing something in me that nothing else can do. Let me tell you, God is at work in your life. You got to believe this today. God is at work in your life and there's not a tear that he is wasting. There are no wasted tears in God's economy. And some of you that are saying amen, you know why you're saying it. And I'm here to tell you today, you might be here today and you might be going, what is this season for? And I really want to, I wish I could just really preach on this and I I will, I promise you I will. But you got to walk out of here today knowing your tears aren't wasted. Psalm 127, those who sow in tears will reap with joyful shouting. Come on, that's for somebody today. He doesn't waste your pain. He doesn't waste any of this. He is forged. Come on, you got to believe this in your heart. He's forging you, training you into righteousness. Why? Why? Okay. Also, by the way, (laughs) I'm going to land the plane soon. In fact, band, you can come on up. You can come on up. Otherwise, we'll never land the plane. Okay? I hope you're getting something out of this today, okay? But check this out. This is why we so believe that you belong and not just go to a church. I'm going to say it again. This is why we believe that you belong to a church and not just go to a church. Because it's in 
that moment of pain. It's in that moment of darkness. It's in that moment of confusion and questioning and and deep, dark sorrow and brokenheartedness that you get to receive the, hear me, the full counsel of the saints where you get the the full embrace and love of a community that goes, let me journey with you. Let me walk through this with you. Come on, church, this is why it's not just somewhere you go to. It's something that you belong to. And it's in that, it's in the, it's in the, it's in the full counsel of the saints. It's in, it's in the word of God. It's in his spirit that comforts us that you be, receive the guidance, the instruction, the refining. And that brings you into a place, hear me church, where you lack nothing to do the good works that God has created you for. Amen. Equipped for every good work. Equipped for every good work. Did you know God has prepared good works for you to do. We mentioned Ephesians 2 earlier in a God moment, but the the latter part of that segment of scripture talks about how you and I have good works that have been prepared in advance for us to walk in. Some of you got to hear this here today. God's got good things for you. He's got good works for you to do. He has good, beautiful, amazing things for your life. And he wants you to be complete and equipped for every good work. Which is why in the book of John chapter 14, we read that Jesus himself goes, you guys have seen me do some beautiful things, but my guys, you ain't seen nothing yet. I mean, that's Tony's vernacular. But essentially goes, these and greater things you shall do. Why? Because there's beautiful work that's been prepared for you. And you might be sitting here, might be going, so where do I start? I'm so glad you asked the question because I'm here to answer it. Where can you start? Where do you go from here? Perhaps for you, you've approached the word of God as something that you just, you can't seem to kind of get into. And it's just been this duty and you're just trying to check off a box And you know what's really beautiful? Just a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I I just kind of in passing in a sermon talked about the word of God. And I I said something, I don't know if you guys remember, but it's kind of goofy and maybe that's why it stuck with some of you. But I was like, you know, a Proverbs a day keeps the stupid away. I don't know if you guys remember that when I said that. Okay, cool. Some of you are like, I was trying to forget that moment, but well, you're reminded of it now. Uh, There's 31 Proverbs. There's usually 31 days in a month. And I said, hey, Proverbs a day keeps the stupid away. You can start there. And what's really cool is I've heard of uh, a specific person here in the church that began to do that. She's like, I didn't know where to start in my Bible reading. So, so I took that and I'm reading a Proverbs today. Start somewhere. Maybe for you, it means when we talk about small groups here at the church, maybe it's more than just a program and it actually means this is how you begin to break out the word of God in your life with a multitude of counselors where there's great wisdom in the room. I had somebody approach me the other day, why don't you guys have Bible studies? You only have small groups. And I go, if our small groups are not studying the Bible, then we're doing it wrong. And so that's why our small groups, by the way, are designed the way they are. Some people have asked like, why is it not this? Why is it not that? Now there's so many different models, but we just believe, especially in this season, that's why we go with sermon-based. Not because I like to have you guys talk more about me in your homes because I'm sure that happens enough. Uh, or maybe I just think higher of myself. Uh, but, but it's because if, if I, it, it, two, twofold, it holds me accountable to preach the word and only the word. And it's so I don't want you going home to your small groups and just discussing Tony's cute ideas. 
but that we break out the word of God together. So maybe for you, that next step today is I'm gonna commit to opening my life up to people and community and begin to study the word of God together within the context of a small group. Maybe for you today, it's going, I'm just gonna pick somewhere to start. Maybe it's, I'm gonna reach out to somebody and go, hey, I need some help. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. I've got questions. And you begin to put yourself in a position where you are teachable and moldable. But ultimately, I wanna, I wanna end with this note because this applies to all of you here today. Our current culture offers us a world of opinions, but only God's word gives us convictions on which we can build our lives on. I'm gonna say it again. Current culture offers us a world of opinions, but God's word gives us convictions on which to build our lives on. So today I asked the band to close us out with a song specifically talks about what we're going to build our lives on. And I think for everyone here today, you're building something. Your life is being built on something. And you have a choice today. Do I build it on opinions? Do I build it on movable objects? Or do I revere the word of God in such a way that it is what I build my life upon? So I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet at this moment. And after they sing this song, I'm gonna ask Sophia to come up and close us out and If you feel like you need prayer for anything specific, you can feel free to go to the prayer corner and get some prayer at any time. Or you can just simply sing this with us. But let me pray this for you. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would illuminate our hearts, God, to the reality that you are inviting us into your heart and into a journey with you through your word. Father, help those of us that maybe at times have only seen it as a duty to really begin to see the delight that there is in journeying with you and being fed through your word, feeding our spirit, feeding our hearts, feeding our minds, allowing our lives to be transformed and molded through your word. Father, pray that we wouldn't sell you short, that we wouldn't limit what your word can do, what your, the revelation of who you are and how that affects our lives. And Father, I pray that we would lack nothing Lord, in this process that you, would, that you would build us to maturity in such a way that we are fully equipped to do all the things you've called us to do. Today, God, we choose to build our lives on you and your word alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing, church. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.